Hello, and welcome to another episode of Canadian Manufacturing Talks. Today, my guest is Penny Wise, President and Managing Director of 3M Canada, here to talk about 3M's journey through domestic manufacturing, supply chain hurdles, and what they're up to moving forward. Penny, uh, thank you so much for uh, joining us, uh, uh, Canadian Manufacturing Online. Um, uh, supply chain troubles continue to you know, plague manufacturers across all industries. I'm curious if 3M is seeing any particular materials, parts, or textiles, or things like that uh, experiencing uh, larger than normal delays and uh, shortages and things like that. Well, you're going to start with the tough questions. No, uh, it's... Uh... You know, I think like all manufacturers, uh, there you you called it out. There are supply chain, global supply chain issues going on right now, for every manufacturer. Uh, but as part of a global company uh, with really solid supply chain and you know engagement in teams across the world and here in North America, you know, working very hard to make sure that raw materials are getting into our factories and our manufacturing sites and uh, that we are, are busy and producing and producing the products that our customers and uh, end users are expecting and want and need. Sort of related to that, um, I know uh, 3M, um, you know, as a company and as a manufacturer has their hands in, you know, many different areas. And uh, I'm curious what some of the challenges or hurdles were in transitioning to this large-scale PPE production and setting up uh, domestic manufacturing here were, I'm, I'm curious what some of the major hurdles or challenges may have been. Our newest manufacturing facility, which is our N95 manufacturing facility in Brockville, is actually 3M Canada's eighth manufacturing site, a, a part of our Canadian portfolio. And Brockville itself is actually a significant part of our Canadian footprint. We actually, we have four manufacturing sites in Brockville. Uh, which includes a tape manufacturing site, as well as other personal protective equipment production. And we also have a lab facility in Brockville. Uh, in late 2020, we undertook a massive project and expanded our facility in Brockville to domestically manufacture N95 respirators, as you mentioned. And in seven months in record time, we stood up a facility that started shipping N95s across Canada early. Um, you know, Brockville is a global center of expertise in the 3M world for respiratory protection. So it was a really great fit, a really strong place, well aligned to the needs with respiratory manufacturing expertise. So in addition to that local expertise that we had, we were also able to tap into global 3M expertise, infrastructure expertise and innovation to be able to pivot so that we could have a domestic manufacturing scenario stood up really quite quickly and uh, did that in partnership with the federal and Ontario governments. So I think it was a, a lot of, you know, the incredible dedication of our people in Brockville and our commitment to making sure that we could produce N95s and protect and keep Canadians safe, not only during the pandemic, but also as we look to the future, was a real inspiration to the people who are in our facilities to make sure that we could produce and be ready and produce, uh, and produce early. It sounds like smooth sailing. Was it all smooth sailing and getting that facility set up? And if it wasn't, I'm curious what some of the challenges and hurdles were in, in, in getting set up so quickly. So, in reflection, it feels like it was pretty smooth because it was a seven month process. And I think to stand up a manufacturing facility in seven months is, uh, is an incredible feat, especially during a pandemic with so many other challenges going on around us. Uh, you know, some of the areas that I think we saw challenges 
were around um, making sure that all of our operators here in the Brockville area would be ready to start running the machines as soon as the machines were up and running and we were testing them. And a lot of the training that was done actually was done in the United States. And during the pandemic, it was a bit of a challenge getting workers back and forth across the border to, uh, to ensure that people could have the proper training. And what I saw was incredible. You know, I talked a little bit about the dedication of our Brockville employees. We had people who went and spent four or five weeks in places in the US to get the training were there over Christmas so that they would be ready to start the testing and the first qualifications as we came into January of 2021. So I think there were you know, things like that that we had to figure out and make sure that we were able to do extra, extra hurdles that weren't there during non-pandemic times. But again, you know, at 3M, we pride ourselves on innovation, creativity, agility, and you could see, and you could see that uh, across the country, across all manufacturing as we pivoted, as we all pivoted and figured out how are we going to meet demand? How are we going to make what Canadians needed and finding ways to be resourceful and be ready and come together because we all had a common goal to protect Canadians. Uh, Canada is obviously facing a labor shortage across manufacturing, and I'm wondering if 3M can speak to any talent sourcing issues. And I'm curious what's worked to secure talent for 3M, what the talent pool looked like in Brockville, what it, what it felt like to, you know, to try and secure top tier talent. You know, you're obviously competing with, um, you know, many other industries and, and for, you know, top end talent. So I'm just curious what that looked like throughout the course of the pandemic. The first part, when we start, start talking about how tight the labor market is, is I always reflect back on kind of one of the one of the key learnings I think coming out of the pandemic or as we move through the pandemic, and this is around this whole idea of the manufacturing and industrial strategy for Canada in the future. The pandemic really highlighted to Canada that um, you know, there were opportunities to really understand what were the needs and requirements in Canada where we needed to be self-sufficient and do our own domestic manufacturing. The reality is in a country of 38 million people, I mean, we can make whatever we want, but Canadians probably aren't prepared to pay the price for manufacturing everything domestically. So it really does come back to this discussion about what is an appropriate industrial strategy for Canada to ensure that we have the right balance of our self-sufficiency and, and managing our supply chains and, and, and protecting those with the fact that we are one of the most skilled trading nations in the world. Canada has more free trade agreements with other countries than any other country in the world. So for us, it really is about that balance and partnership between trade and domestic manufacturing. Having said that, industrial policy would also help us really understand what kind of skilled labor, what kinds of needs do we have in terms of skills that we need for the future so that we can make sure our population in Canada is ready to take on those challenges and has the skills, whether it's skilled trades, whether it's technology, so that we can manage that. And um, you know, a specific example at 3M right now, I'm really excited about a program that we're, an area that we're really focused on, we call it STEM Talks. And it really is about understanding. 68% of Canadians believe that underrepresented populations in Canada don't have access to STEM education and STEM career opportunities. So we're working with experts and advocates across the country to understand why aren't they and how do we get that population engaged? Because those are the kinds of people not, those are those are people who need to be part of the of the um, 
recovery in Canada of part of our acceleration of our economy. So I think there's just an overall strategic piece that we need to think about in Canada in terms of a tight labor market. Having said that, the reality is right now for business leaders, there are challenges in solving for labor shortages and you've got to make sure that people are safe. Um, some sectors have been hit harder um, and obviously manufacturers are continuing to experience labor disruptions and absenteeism from COVID and they're faced with challenges to maintain production volume output. So we've all got to be prepared and have strategies and tools in place to make sure there's minimal disruption in that output. Obviously, 3M is not immune to that, and we're doing everything we can to keep our employees safe. And whether it's things that we've done since the onset of the pandemic, we went through and we looked at all of our manufacturing processes and figured out how we could set them up so that people had proper distance, so people could still stay safe. We've had stringent measures in our physical locations, as well as our head office. And we've had lots of protocols in place to make sure employees are safe. Staggered shift times, giving parents impacted by delayed reopenings of schools, abilities to switch shifts, and focusing on mental health. So I think all of those are important parts. And in order to attract good talent, you have to have a great culture, a strong culture that people can see that employees are at the heart of the culture and that we as employers, we as manufacturing leaders are doing taking actions to ensure that people can be agile, creative, and meet that uh, balance that our employees need. In my conversations with other manufacturers, um, a lot of them have mentioned that when it comes to securing talent, whether they're looking to uh, hire more women or more people of color or whatever, whatever their uh, strategy was, they found that going to a network that maybe they didn't traditionally try and hire from was a successful strategy for them. I'm curious if 3M has explored strategies and ideas like that through STEM talks. And I'm wondering if you can maybe break down the sourcing talent strategy when it comes to that. I, I, I could talk about STEM talks all day. I'm really uh, excited about what we're learning. So as I said, Almost 70% of Canadians believe that underrepresented communities don't get the opportunity to engage fully with STEM, whether it's in education and then leading to employment. And uh, I think that a lot of us, many people make assumptions about what we can do to address that. Um, is it scholarships? Is it, you know, what does that look like? But so to really dig deep and understand why this, why these groups weren't engaged, we uh, engaged experts and advocates from across the country. So academics, business leaders who have experience in those and in, in engaging with the, and, and advocating and raising up those underrepresented communities. And through uh, a series of talks with these leaders and advocates, we learned kind of three areas that we've, we've been focused on and how do we really dig into these areas. The first one was, addressing the curriculum and making the curriculum accessible. So one of the gentlemen who's one of our advocates and on our panel, he is blind and he talks about making education accessible. So when he was doing probability and statistics, uh, they talk about shuffling a deck of cards and randomizing cards. He has never really seen a deck of cards. So it's about how do you make that accessible? The second area was about moving from being just a role model to being a champion. All of us in our lives have had someone who's taken that extra step and supported us and lifted us up and given us other opportunities that we might not have got. So role models are important, but championing is critical. And then the third area is moving from just talk to actions. And what can the business community do in addition to working with governments and academia 
to make sure that our actions match our words. So those are the three big areas that we're focused on. And it's not as simple as here's an easy strategy of how we're going to get to that. It's complex, um, but all of us are, you know, we're really thinking about what are the actions that we can take in order to address those. The second part of your question was, what are we doing at 3M? Uh, in terms of reaching out to broader networks, that is part of our talent acquisition strategy. And our talent acquisition strategy is also informed by what we're learning in this STEM talks arena. How do we encourage women to become involved in skill trades? How do we get underrepresented communities to engage with STEM? How do we get them engaged in, in different circles and finding employment opportunities? So much like you talked about, uh, it, you know, moving beyond just the traditional ways that we've hired for skilled trades or for uh, employees, we've moved to different circles, different ways, different groups, different networks in order to be able to um, cast a wider net and reach out and, and connect with more individuals who have the, the skills that we're looking for. And the reality is in a, in a very connected world and a social media world like we, there are so many ways to connect in and so many um easy is not the right word but more accessible ways to engage with people across canada than there may have been in the past earlier you mentioned um when it came to the brockville facility support you received from the federal and provincial government as well i'm wondering what that support looked like specifically and um if uh, regulations and you know procurement contracts and things like that were more of a hurdle or if they benefited 3M Canada in the end? So I would always start by saying the priority has been and always continues to be supporting the health and safety of all Canadians. And that I think if you step back and you take a look at what was happening at the beginning of the pandemic, March, April of 2020, you had healthcare workers across the country who could not get N95 respirators in any form. They were running out, they were having to reuse, and uh, they were, you know, we didn't understand the full impact of the pandemic. People were afraid people needed respirators. And those healthcare workers turned to us as 3M and to the government and were calling for 3M N95 respirators because they, they themselves, healthcare workers, were calling them the gold standard of respirators. And so, you know, we talked about the expertise and the skills and the people coming together to stand up that facility that we were able to produce NIOSH approved respirators. So meeting regulatory requirements in seven months. And so we were able, as we came into the third wave of the pandemic in April, March, April of 2021, to start um, supplying healthcare, frontline workers, critical infrastructure workers with N95 uh, respirators. So the federal government and the Ontario government were partners to us in the um, in the the uh, expansion of our facility and making sure that we could be, uh, expand the facility and produce and be ready to produce on time. Uh, you know, I commented to someone a couple of weeks ago that one of the one of the one of the aspects of being Canadian that I really admire is we do work for the good of people that it's not about it's not about us each person looking out for themselves but when canadians come together when there's a crisis when we know we have to respond when we know we need to deliver we can all come together partner and work to make it happen and that's really how i view the partnership between 3m canada 3m global the federal government the ontario government the municipality of brockville 
all of these teams coming together to do what's right to make sure that we support the support Canadians. And, and at the time it was Canadian healthcare workers, you know, as we're moving into the next phase of the pandemic, it's obviously about supplying N95s and personal protective equipment to industrial workers who during the pandemic, industrial, industrial customers said, yes, you need to make sure healthcare workers are supported first, but in order to drive the recovery, in order to make sure our workers across Canada are safe and have their own personal protective equipment, uh, as we're building out the economy, as we're growing the economy, as we move forward, this is about making sure they have the, the product and the support that they need to protect themselves and grow their businesses. One of the aspects of this that I heard from other manufacturers was that the government had awarded long contracts to non-Canadian manufacturers of PPE. So these smaller Canadian manufacturers had to focus on selling their N95 masks to um, you know, consumers and, and people like you and me. And I'm wondering if 3M Canada had to focus on shifting its marketing strategy as well in any way to uh, sell to you and I as well. Might repeat some of the things that I talked about before, but you know, the, when we moved into the pandemic, again, like I always put myself back in the shoes of kind of April 2020, uh, so much unknown, so much uncertainty, and healthcare workers and people on the front lines needing N95 respirators. And I think that is always my starting point of how I talk, how I think about this and how I think about the response. You know, priority was to make sure that we were supporting the health and safety of those frontline workers who were looking after people who were incredibly sick and through such a difficult, difficult time. Uh, you know, our, our facility, like I said, in seven months, which is an incredibly short amount of time to stand up a facility and start manufacturing and shipping, we were able to support and produce NIOSH approved product to get into the hands of healthcare workers. And I think that is one of the most important parts of this N95 facility is making sure we met the demand and the need during the pandemic and for the future. Um, you know, we have uh, an incredibly talented team um, in Brockville, as we've talked about. Uh, you know, when we talk about investments that the government made and procurement, if you look through it, the government, both the federal and provincial governments made a lot of investments during the last two years in all different sizes of businesses across Canada all with the goal of strengthening Canadian domestic manufacturing in specific areas related to the pandemic, whether it's PPE, vaccines, therapeutics, whatever, you know, kind of those core elements. So I think there have been investments made across the board. Um, so, I, so I think that that's a, a component to think about as well. Um, the other part to consider is there is a difference between a mask and a respirator. So obviously mask mandates are being taken down in different parts across, the, you know, are being removed in different parts of the country at different rates. But there is a difference between what you and I wear as a mask on the street or in a store versus an N95 respirator. And what we make in Brockville is the respirator. And so the work that we did was very much focused on making sure personal protective equipment got into the hands and arrived into the hands of those who needed it. And, and that was the decision of 3M globally that this was a humanitarian crisis and that our product was going to go to healthcare workers. This is 3M Global's decision, like 3M Global's position that our products were going to healthcare frontline workers, critical infrastructure and, and um, 
and, and that so that affected what was going into other parts of the market because that was the priority and the right thing to do. You know, everyone's crossing their fingers, hoping we're you know sort of starting to emerge from this uh, this pandemic. And you know, res- respirator production is underway. People you know have are well stocked on masks across every industry. So I'm curious what 3M's strategy is now when it comes to uh, domestic manufacturing PPE. Will it be more PPE and medical products or are there other products already being considered and explored? I'm curious what you can share from from that perspective. I'm going to circle back a little bit to a couple of comments around N95s and PPE. So during the pandemic, obviously, all focus shift to healthcare workers and uh, making sure we were protecting healthcare workers. And as I talked about, some of our industrial customers, other customers have been very patient, were patient through the pandemic and understood that we needed to prioritize and ensure work, our product went to the healthcare workers. So as we look at our N95 facility and what we do moving forward, you know, a couple of things, continue to make sure that we are stockpiling and that we are ready for hopefully not the next, you know, the next event, Uh, you know, we're all hopeful that there isn't the next wave or whatever, but that we need to be prepared for that. But also to make sure that, um, you know, we are able to supply industrial as I've talked about, because that's getting that back up and running, making sure people are properly protected across the economy. There are also other sectors that weren't necessarily using N95s before the pandemic, but started using them during the pandemic and continue to use them coming out of the pandemic. So such as dentists or oral care um, are, are continuing to use N95s where they may not have pre. So the market has shifted, the landscape has shifted, the recognition of the importance of an N95 and personal protection and, and making sure like a properly fitted N95 can be your best protection against airborne particulate has really raised across a lot of different industries. And, and I see that as where we will continue to support Canadians with the product coming out of Brockville. Interesting. Gives me a really good idea of uh, what 3M has been working on and where it's headed. So uh, I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to sit down with us. Well, thanks for the opportunity to share our story and chat today. It was a really interesting and thought-provoking discussion with you this morning. 